We used to call my son the vampire baby. When most normal people would be going to bed, including babies, he would wake up and he would be ready to eat and play and mostly cry. Uh, sometimes <laughs> at 2 a.m., and I realized this does not make me a good father. I thought to myself, does this thing have a mute button? <laughs> there was not. But in the next 50 years, children, virtual children, may come with way more than a mute button. You might be able to design the child of your dreams, customize its tastes, and even make sure it never, ever ages. Tech experts say that these virtual kids will be indistinguishable from real boys and girls. And if you ever get tired of caring for them, no problem. You can just delete them. Hi, I'm Paul Acey, your non-virtual host today. Kennedy Unthank, Kristen Smith, and Jonathan McKee and I will be talking about this future development in the world of both technology and parenting. And after that, we'll dive into what I'm virtually sure will be a fascinating conversation with Adam Holtz, talking about a movie with a lot of buzz, you might say. Lightyear. <laughs> Not all that buzz has been particularly good. And then, of course, our own producer, Ashley, will lead us in another round of Pop Culture Connection, where there will be winners and losers and, most likely, lots of complaining from Jonathan. Touche. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but first... I'm going to dive in with a two-part question for you. Uh, Woody famously tells Buzz in the original Toy Story that he is, in fact, a toy. What was your favorite toy growing up? And did you give it its own unique personality? Okay, I'm going to go first. <laughs> so I don't remember having like a favorite toy, but since we're using a Toy Story quote, I do very distinctly remember all of my Beanie Babies thinking <laughs> that they were alive. After watching that. Oh, and yeah, I think I've said this before, but I would line them up and make sure that they could breathe. If one was on top of another, it obviously couldn't breathe very well. <laughs> and so I was already OCD at a very young age. <laughs> and they all had their place. That's awesome. And they could breathe appropriately. So They could breathe appropriately. How, yeah. How, mm -hmm. old, how old was little Kristen at this age? Oh. Like what age, roughly? 17. <laughs> probably, yeah. like, probably like seven or eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, good. That explains a lot. Yeah, yeah it should. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I really haven't thought about, I don't think I've ever answered a question like this, but you're bringing me back. Um, I had a Winnie the Pooh that oh. I liked and I mean, I really liked it. And he, he's kind of like one of the, I'd say one of the bigger ones. He wasn't like a little tiny one. He was like, you know, probably like a foot tall, you know, kind of and nice and fat and a little red <laughs> jacket that said poo on it, you know? And I mean, I, I loved that thing so much that I think he lost his nose. And like, you know how like certain, you know, they always well show loved. the toy that's been loved that, you know, loses the eye. Whatever. I, he, he had no <laughs> nose. And I remember, this is what's really embarrassing. I remember my brother and I, we, he had this like little Mickey and I had this poo and uh, we would play and like they would go on adventures together and we'd play in his room. Okay. I'm saying way too much. Anyway, it was Winnie <laughs> the Pooh. It was awesome. Yeah. That I loved, I loved incredible. my poo. That's very cool. Yeah, uh, for me, it was definitely Legos. I was really into Legos growing up, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so were my brothers, fortunately. So we had this one game we would play where we would build these little Lego spaceships, and these are like, you know, little kids building them, so they're not that great. But <laughs> we would build the spaceships, we'd put a guy inside each of our spaceships, and then we'd uh, twirl some fishing line around the spaceships, because we had a balcony in our house, and so we would smash the spaceships into each other 
And Excellent. Whoever's uh, Lego pieces would fall. Exactly. Your and mom really liked you. Yeah, it was great. That's but whoever's awesome. uh, Lego spaceman was the last one to stay inside the ship won. Wow. Wow. So no separate personalities for you. They were all just meant to be crashed. You and yes, Paul have yes. a lot in common. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Was yours Legos too? Oh, no, no, no. I, what I was going to say, I, I did love my Legos too. Um, but what I was going to bring up is a big bird. I had a, a little big bird stuffed animal. It was the ugliest thing you ever saw. It was terrible. <laughs> the eyes were missing. It was like more brown than yellow. Mm. Um, but he definitely had his own personality. Like in all my made up stories, he was sort of like the stupid character. Yeah. And, uh, to go with what you were talking about as far as keeping your beanie babies all filled with air and stuff (laughs) i sort of went the opposite tack oh right i was terrified that there was a a certain creature that was going to come and get me every every night in my bed just snatch me and so i would tend to cover myself with stuffed animals and big bird i always put on the top of me so it would scare them away well no so that whatever was after me would actually just grab it think it was me instead so big bird was my wow sacrificial bird decoy (laughs) this is dark it was dark okay (laughs) this is is absolutely oh my gosh this is a horror film so if your parents ever came in and took big bird off of you and you were just like "Ah!" exactly i would have said it worked it worked speaking of dark exactly (laughs) yes let us move into our main conversation today. Uh, This trend is really fascinating to me, and obviously it's not something that is new or unique. I remember when my daughter was young, she brought home this, you know, this Tamagotchi Yes, I love Tamagotchis. Mm -hmm. These these virtual (laughs) things that you had to feed and care for and play with and all that sort of stuff. They were just like little egg-type things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she asked me to take care of it while she was at school. You didn't, did you? No, My mom didn't didn't either. It was really bad. I tried. I tried. But no, it I was a miserable failure as a Tamagotchi parent. But oh, that's funny. so but obviously this new virtual babies thing uh that we're talking about, obviously it's many, many, many years in the future actually that we're talking about. Uh but Kennedy, you wrote a fantastic blog on these virtual babies of the future. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, so there's this uh, AI expert named uh, Catriona Campbell, and she says in one of her books that in about 50 years, uh, we could expect a sort of monthly subscription service, because <laughs> everything has to be a <laughs> subscription service. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. You're streaming your babies. Exactly. Yeah. That's well, right. you pay uh, every month in order to have the right to raise this baby, and it grows up in real time. However, if you want to customize it, you'd be able to. So, like, if you really enjoy being the parent of just a baby, then you can keep it at baby age uh, forever. And maybe one day you are just kind of tired of it. You can delete your baby, you can unsubscribe, and you can move on with your life. (laughs) Man, oh, man. It's just really an interesting thought. Uh, Now, Catriona is talking about this maybe being... 50 years in the future, uh, but she is saying that the babies could be um, virtually indistinguishable from real babies. You know, obviously you're going to have, as a virtual parent, you're going to have, you know, VR goggles or and tactile gloves and everything like that, but they're going to be, they are going to feel and act 
theoretically, like real babies. And she says that they will, quote, solve some of today's most pressing issues, including overpopulation. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. (laughs) She seems seems pretty excited about this. I'm sure she is. Should she be? Okay. Oh, Oh, man, man, this is so creepy. So the first thing that I thought of was, okay, do you know, like, like, there's a whole generation that grew up on Call of Duty and all those Mm -hmm. other, like, modern warfare games. And so imagine, and I've talked to, and my husband's in the military, so lots of military in my family, but... It's almost like the same concept as one of these young men or women going off to war, having played this game, thinking that they might be prepared. Mm. And so then you have this virtual baby and then you think you might be prepared or you can customize, right? And maybe you want a toddler because you want to skip the baby stage. There's, I was thinking about this this morning driving here. I don't know why. I was really tired. I'm like, my sister's <laughs> pregnant. Okay. So we're about to have a baby right around the same time, which is really exciting. But she was telling me how tired she was. And I kind of chuckled to myself as I have two kids and all my wisdom. And I'm thinking, (laughs) oh, this is a rite of passage. You know, like you have this baby and you get up throughout the night and you're just going to be exhausted. And it's just part of the process. And it's a little disturbing to me to think that you can edit that out, if you will. Mm. And then what happens if you actually have children? Will you create a baby because maybe you don't want another one physically and you want you miss that stage? And then are you going to neglect the kids that you have because <laughs> you're taking care of the virtual ones in the same way that we get lost on phones or doing something mm-hmm. else? But mm-hmm. I, I, this could go on for forever. So, Yeah, it's interesting when you think about this, there's, there's so many ramifications. But I, I right. think the first thing that came to my mind is, you know, when we substitute technology for real life. I think technology is great and it can mm-hmm. be a lot of fun and it can actually enhance at times. I mean, think of GPS. It really helps us get places, you know, but it's <laughs> funny when we kind of start to like, you know, it's like we always talk about when, when you're so engrossed, you know, in your phone, you're so engrossed in the people outside the room that you're ignoring the people inside the room. That seems to be where it's always at a fault. And I think this is the same thing. I think if we start trying to substitute, if there's one thing that the pandemic taught us, it was that literally so many of us were so engrossed of our, in our screens. And during a pandemic, we didn't have a choice. All we had was screens. Yeah. And I found it interesting how many young people who you would have thought beforehand were like, you know, oh, I, I love my screens. I don't even need outside relationships. By the time the pandemic had gone on for months and months and months, teenagers everywhere were like, forget screens. Give me a real person. There was that <laughs> hunger. You know, they realized it wasn't as good as the real thing. And I think this is going to be just another example of that. Yeah, well, I find it interesting because I've seen some people who are referring to it as similar to something like The Sims, where yeah. in The Sims, you like you raise a virtual family. That includes a virtual baby. Sure. Sure. And if you mismanage that family, there are consequences and a literal Grim Reaper will come and take <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, the dead Sim member away. Um, I guess what would be your response is that a valid assessment of what this is like or is this on an entirely new level well i don't know i haven't done it yet i don't know if there's a grim reaper that's going to be there but uh, i i think like anything too much of something can be harmful right so like exactly maybe it'll prepare you right Mm -hmm. like you don't have a kid yet Mm -hmm. and you want some introduction into what it's going to be like sort of and you could play this game or take care of your virtual kid and find out but of course like anything else if you do that too much you might think that that's actually how it's going to be right, right. and and then it distorts reality 
Yeah, and I think you nailed it because it's too much of anything. There's there's nothing wrong with you know connecting with people online or connecting with people on social media, but when that becomes your only source of connection to where you're ignoring real life connections, that's where the problem is. When when this person is you know is conjecting that oh, this will actually help, you know, <laughs> with population control. It's like, okay, you crossed the line here a little bit. Because I remember my kids, and, and Kristen, you're my kid's age. You might remember, like, Animal Crossing. Uh, animal yeah. Crossing. My kids loved Animal Crossing, and they would literally come home and be like, I got to feed my animals. I got to." And it was kind of like this virtual chores and virtual, I'm like, I wish there were this excited about their chores around our house. But I mean, it was kind of like this responsibility. I thought it was fine if you don't take it to a level of population control. Yeah, I think another concern that is a little alarming, even just hearing when something probably geared toward children is that if you don't want to do it anymore, you can just delete it. Don't want to care for it anymore. And I think so often, like as a mom and really in the thick of it, I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, I'm about to have a baby in November. And there are so many days I wake up and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really <laughs> I love my kids and I do I try to do this with joy, but of course if someone offered me if my husband's like, "Hey, you want to like go have alone time?" I'm not going to turn that down. <laughs> so, yeah, and then yeah. in addition to that, like there's a lot of behaviors as as my kids age, specifically, I mean, I have a 2-year-old daughter. She went from this like so sweet and peaceful and she still is. But wow, something happened when she turned two and we're in the middle of terrible twos, if that's what we want to call it. And it is really refining for me as a parent, as a mom, to have to work through all of that, because not only am I helping her regulate her emotions and disciplining her, but also it refines me as a parent, leads me to the Lord. Jesus, I really need your help. (laughs) I don't get to disconnect and just say, I don't want to handle this right now. I'm not going to. Yeah, and I agree. I think that's for me where it kind of hits that like, ooh, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It's when in the same breath that they say that these are virtual children, which would be indistinguishable from those in the real world, immediately followed by, and you can delete them. (laughs) And that's where I kind of feel that disconnect within myself is, okay, well, if these things are supposed to be so realistic right. that right. you know you have this inception style is this real life kind <laughs> yeah. of thing yeah uh, and then you immediately say oh you can just delete it i think that has some moral grayness right where, right. Yeah, yeah it's probably a good way to yeah, say it absolutely i think where it is scary is our culture right now is so focused on me i've got to think you hear this all the time i need to think about me right now i just need to and it's so counter biblical yes it you know, is, the, yeah. think mm-hmm. think about me before someone else and i mean not to bring it to a super deeper level but i mean my wife works at a crisis pregnancy clinic and she meets young ladies all the time who are like i just can't handle this right now i want to just get rid of this baby and at her clinic they try to talk about other options and they try to talk about adoption and and they do their best to, to talk with them through that mm. it's crazy that how much our culture is kind of almost supporting that, hey, if this is inconvenient, you just got to think about you right now. Right. You know, you do you. And that's where it does get dangerous. You're, you're, you're dead on, Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that struck me about this as well is it, it, feels, it feels sort of consumerist. 
which yeah. is, you know, absolutely counter to what family is supposed to be about. And I, I think that then when you talk That's about good, love and when you talk about intimacy, the mess is like an integral part of that. Yeah. Right. You need to go through those difficult times. And if you can just turn those times off, then it's not real love. It's not real intimacy. So thank you guys so much. I know we could talk for a long time about this topic and all the ramifications that we're dealing with. Uh, but really appreciate uh, having the time to talk about this a little bit. All right, and now we are going to talk about a big movie out in theaters right now called Lightyear. It yes. features a very, very famous character. And Adam Holtz, plugged in his very own director, reviewed this movie, and he's going to tell us all about it. So... Obviously, when we first met Buzz Lightyear, way back in 1995, he was voiced by Tim Allen, and he was a toy. Yes. This time, he is voiced by Captain America himself. Chris Evans. <laughs> he is not a toy. Can you give a sort of a setup of, as to what's going on in this movie? Yeah, you know, the movie opens with a line that says, in 1995, we met these characters, and Buzz Lightyear was from Andy's favorite movie. And then it says, this was that movie. So that's all the setup we get in terms of connecting it with the Toy Story franchise as a whole. And the plot is both complex and full of twists <laughs> and turns and left turns and right turns and yet fairly simple. You know, sort of borrowing from your broader Star Trek-y kind of vibe. Um, Buzz is on a ship and he has uh, another woman that he is working closely with. They're both space rangers. Her name's Alicia Hawthorne. They're awakened from hypersleep to be told that there's an uninhabited planet that has life forms on it. And of course, I mean, what are they going to do? Just a drive-by? Right, exactly. You know. you got to check out the life forms. So they go down to the planet. They take a rookie with them, and there's all sorts of rookie stuff that makes fun of the, <laughs> the Star Trek, you know, is it the red shirts? The red shirt, yeah. yeah. Commander Hawthorne, you know how I feel about rookies. They're the same way I feel about autopilots. How may I assist you? Is there anything I can do, sir? They don't help. They just overcomplicate things. I'm better off just doing the job myself. Which is why I brought the rookie. Uh, hello? The, the short version is the planet has all sorts of nasty vines and biological things that prevent them from leaving. Buzz mm. tries to get off the planet because he won't accept the rookie's help the ship crashes and Buzz is deeply remorseful that his pride and independence has stranded 1,200 other people. That's a lot on this of ship. people. And this is where the plot gets, I'm not going to go into all the details, but they have to basically manufacture a light speed fuel that Buzz has to test and hijinks and all sorts of things ensue. This takes uh, through the magic of Einsteinian physics decades where buzz barely ages and everybody else they go through generations of people mm -hmm. and then the emperor zerg shows up and his robots and you know it sort of has that uh black hole kind of feel yeah, yeah, to yeah. it mm -hmm. um and, uh, and then they have to, you know, figure out what they're going to do so i'll end my plot summary there uh, i will say as a love letter to sci-fi films like everything is in here I mean, they've got riffs on Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, two thousand one, two thousand one, Teddy mm. Ruxpin. I mean, <laughs> it's just. I think parents will enjoy 
those who see it will enjoy that part of things. And I think um, it was exactly what you would expect from a Pixar movie in that sense. But obviously we've got some other things to talk about. Yeah, obviously. I did want to get to, before we get to the elephant in the room, I did want to ask, did you like this movie? Was it a good movie? Oh, I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I felt like it was a rollicking, fun send up of so much sci-fi stuff and connected closely to the Toy Story kind of Buzz Lightyear that we know and love. Uh, So I thought it totally worked. And I've actually read a bunch of reviews that have been pretty critical. I'm like, well, Hmm. I'm going to be critical of something that they're not being critical of, which we'll talk (laughs) about in a minute. But I thought the movie was delightful, except for the elephant in the room that we'll talk about shortly. Right. So let's get to that elephant. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of controversy over Lightyear as it was coming to theaters, even before, uh, because a same-sex kiss was at first taken out and then put back in. Yep. Can you unpack that a little bit? I can. Um, I suppose this is a mild spoiler warning, but Alicia is a lesbian, Mm -hmm. and after one of Buzz's trips into space, he has to test this hyperfuel. And every time he does that, he gets close to light speed. So the time that elapses back on the planet is much greater than what he experiences. He's gone five minutes. It's four years back on the planet. Yeah. So he comes back at one point and Alicia is engaged. And Buzz says, and this is really important, Buzz says, what's her name? Mm -hmm. And so it's not like the big surprise or reveal here is that she was same-sex attracted, you know, it's it seems like it's right. presented as the most normal thing in the world. And then Buzz takes more trips, and each time, you know, one time he comes back and she's pregnant. And one time there's a huge gap, and we meet her granddaughter. So, I mean, we skip entire generations. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and in the midst of that, at their 40th anniversary, the couple kisses. So, I mean, it really is presented as a long-term monogamous marriage relationship, mm. uh, which under most other contexts we would say is a really good thing. Right. right? right. Um, but I think what I was taken aback by even more than the kiss itself was just, you know, it was just like, well, this is just, just the accepted. Way, this is just the way things are. Right. Right. So this is, this is an interesting, um, thing that has happened in this movie. In some ways it's not all that original these days. I right. mean, we're seeing this more and more. This seems to take it a step farther in that it sort of, it sort of normalizes it, right? It does. So tell us whether this is a big deal or whether it's something that we can sort of navigate. Well, I think it's a big deal and families will have to decide whether they can navigate it. And all of that stuff that I just said happens in kind of one long sequence Mm -hmm. Um, because Buzz is, you know, zipping into space and coming back and Alicia's story is progressing. So it's about five minutes of the movie, but it's a significant five minutes. I think what's different here is that in the past, we've had, you know, like um, LeFou making winking innuendo that he likes Gaston, or we'll see a same-sex couple in the background holding hands. Disney has dealt with this issue as a background issue. Uh, it's front and center here. You can't escape it. They would say they're doing that because of, of their convictions and where sure. they're at culturally. And those convictions, I think, really run counter to many people who are holding a biblical understanding of sexuality. And so the question parents will have to answer is, do I say, you know what, we're not going to go there because I don't want to support that, or I don't agree with that, or I don't want to deal with it. Or we say, this is where the culture's at. And if your kids are old enough, 
you could use it as a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I don't think there's a slam dunk answer one way, but I think a lot of Christians who hold to those convictions, it's going to be enough to say, yeah, I don't want to go yeah. see it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate your insight on that. You bet. Thank you, Paul. And now it's time for Pop Culture Connection when our producer, Ashley, asks us all thought-provoking, incredibly deep questions in the realm of pop culture. We have 30 seconds to come up with an answer along with all the reasons we selected that answer. So, Ashley, take it away. All right. Here we go. Kristen, I'm going to have you go first. Since oh, Joy. It's been a while since oh, we've awesome. had you it has. with us. All right. Your question is... You are hosting the Oscars. Who is your co-host and why? Oh, Johnny Depp. He's oh, so funny. <laughs> He's extremely attractive. Um, he has like such a weird personality that I think would be really fun to interact with. And not really fun. I think it'd feel really awkward. So that's a fourth point. But um, I think mostly if I have to do the Oscars, I want to be entertained. And maybe just watching him is like entertaining. Again, very attractive. Um I don't know. He has all these different voices, right? He could be like Jack Sparrow or Willy Wonka. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I got six points okay. for that. Very good. I don't know if they would allow Johnny Depp into the Oscars these days. <laughs> Especially right. after modern he yeah. won. news. Hmm. Exactly. There are others is that Amber I don't there? think they'd allow into the Oscars either. That is very true. That is very true. All right. Kennedy, you're yes. up next. All right. And your question is... If you were paparazzi, who would you follow every day and why? Uh, I would follow Paul Acey. (laughs) The reason why is Paul, if you read his articles every single time, he writes a pun in them pretty much every time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also has uh, a very fun personality, so I could always get really good quotes from him. Um, He's also very attractive, like Kristen said, so I'd get really good photos from him. So if I was trying to get a really good photo on the front page, you know, I'd have no problem. That's awesome. All right, Kennedy. Like Johnny Depp, he's very Like Johnny Depp, (laughs) exactly. You officially get your raise. That's all I'm saying. Wow, wow. Well, I was going to give you... That would be the most boring paparazzi tour ever. (laughs) Eight hours of you watching a movie. (laughs) Typing away in my cubicle. Four points for that. But I think you should get an extra point for choosing Paul. So you and Kristen are tied. No, Kristen was six. Wait, wait, I had six. You had six. Oh. My apologies, six. Mm. Sorry, Kennedy. So close. Mm. So close. Mm. All right. Next, let's have Jonathan. Oh, man. You got this, man. (laughs) All right, Jonathan. If you could pick only one superhero to be a character mentor for kids, who would you pick and why? I'm going to say this just to make my other podcasters mad. I'm going to say Superman because I love Superman because, I mean, he flies. He always stands for good. He wears the colors of the American flag. His hair is so slick and he's neat, you know. I mean, uh, he's strong. Uh, He can see through things, but yet he chooses not to see through things he shouldn't see. He can use his x-ray eyes to heat up soup for old ladies. He can help people, like save people. He can leap tall buildings. Nice. Why are you so good at this? It's annoying. Oh, man, I'm surprised you didn't go with the normal answer that everyone else has given so far and saying that he's attractive. 
He's attractive. That's right. So he's got that little spit curl. It depends yeah. on which version you're talking That's about. Well, that is true. Yeah, exactly. All right. he Jonathan, won. you rocked it. Ten points, man. Oh, my goodness, oh. Jonathan. I don't know. Does saying Amen, he's sister. neat count? Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's grown. neat. He's neat. Yeah. He yeah. is, he he is, is very, well kept. He's very neat. <laughs> All right. He's very, he's very kempt. Are you ready? <laughs> <Stop> no. <laughs> but, but we're going to go. Come on. Here we go. Okay, Kennedy, you got your paparazzi camera ready for yes, Paul? Yes, I'm All ready. Right. Oh, my Here goodness. we go. <laughs> what movie have you seen that would make an even better novel and why? Oh, my goodness. That would be Lord of the Rings, which oh. actually oh, did yeah. make a very good novel. <laughs> so... <laughs> And the reason is, is because it has wizards and orcs and a lot of excitement and some great quotes and some beautiful imagery. And it has this good versus evil story uh, that really resonates with me. It takes us into a brand new world filled with all sorts of extravagant, wild things. Nice. And it's neat. And it's It's neat. neat. And attractive. (laughs) And it's Kemp. All right, guys. Well... (laughs) I feel like I shouldn't give that to you because it started as a novel, but <laughs> it wasn't have, part of the question. Jonathan won. You did have some great points. Nine of them, in fact. Jonathan, oh. you are the winner this week. Whoa. Good job, Jonathan. Oh, nice job, Jonathan. Wow, oh, my good. goodness. Congratulations yet again, Jonathan. Well, I got to go home and rake my leaves with my spider web, so I'll see you guys soon. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us a bit at the Plugged In Show. Chime in with your own thoughts, virtual or otherwise. Would you raise a virtual baby? Would you go to Lightyear? Would you take your virtual baby to Lightyear? Let us know on Instagram and Facebook or by writing us an email at team at com. And as a special thanks for joining us today, if you send Focus on the Family a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's excellent book, Parenting Generation Screen. Check out our show notes or the Plugged In blog for more information. Or call 1-800-A-FAMILY. And of course, we look forward to getting together with you again on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Messing up at school can be embarrassing, but Average Boy is used to it. He tries, fails, and tries again thanks to help from his friends Billy, Jenny, and Sarah. Join Average Boy in his very first fun-filled novel called Average Boy's Above Average Year. He deals with bullies, homework, and more, while following God and showing God's love to others. Check out this book, perfect for the 8-12 to year olds in your life, at AverageBoy.org. That's AverageBoy.org.